Hello, this is Sasha. This is Steven. And this is Shut Up, I Love It. A podcast where we invite our guests to come on the show and defend an aspect of pop culture that they feel is uh, unpopular or underappreciated. Joining us today, he is an Emmy Award-winning comedy writer from Los Angeles, California, who wrote for several Adult Swim and Cartoon Network projects, including Robot Chicken, Clarence, and the Clarence and Adventure Time comic book series from Kaboom. Welcome, Nick Cron DeVico. Hey, thanks for having me. No, thank you for coming, Nick. What are we talking about today? Today we are talking about Love Island UK, which is an important distinction now because Love Island uh, America exists. Great. Tell us a little bit about Love Island. What is the show? So Love Island is a reality show. I have not seen Bachelor in Paradise, but I've heard it compared to that uh, before. Um, basically, boils down to is it is a reality show that is uh, sexual musical chairs. So... A Great bunch of really sexy UK people are thrown into a villa. It's in Mallorca. I don't know. Is that an island? It's in, it's somewhere in Spain. If you, it better be an island. It, otherwise, so far from the ocean, like the the they have a wonderful view, but it's like all countryside. But uh, in a metaphorical sense, they are on an island, and so there's six <laughs> men and six women, and they all have to couple up and uh, form these romantic couples that are to the audience like. How do I describe this? I don't know. It's so it's so weird. They're couplings of convenience. They are, but they're like there's so little talk of game in the show. You know, it's not right. like Survivor or, or Big Brother where they're doing it and they're explicitly saying we need to do this to stay on the show. They really are, if you are to believe what they say in their like intros, looking for love. So mm. so it's a it's actually a very uncynical show in that way. Like they they really do want to find someone who they could have a long-term relationship although with. some of them i have to say from the two episodes i've watched some of them do say that i'm here just to see who i can hook up with yeah and so there have been five seasons now the very did you watch maybe an episode from like season one or two because because in those see i don't think i sent you those you recommended that we watch a couple episodes from season three yeah that makes sense and then so, i also watched the first episode for season five the most the, recent season. the most recent season because i really enjoyed the setup situation yeah so the, the episode where they all come in and they the first impression picks yeah i like those yeah so it started out kind of mean and cynical and people were very shallow there was a little bit of game talk but but I think the producers were very smart and they found cast members starting in like season three and, and going forward who genuinely were, were trying to find connections. And there are people who wind up on the show who just don't find a connection with someone for a very long time. And so in those cases, you do wind up with people who form, you know, friendship couples who stick to stick together so that they can prolong their time on the show to like wait for someone to come in but that's as gamey as it gets right that so that's a mechanic of the show is that every what is it every week basically every week people enter the house and and old people have to leave right we watch i watched two i watched episode one from season three and episode 38 from season (laughs) three and very um, specific episode i have to admit i still don't understand how people leave the show, why they leave the okay. show, and also how people win this competition. <laughs> right. Okay. So here's basically what happens. So there's always an, a numbers imbalance uh, in terms of genders. And mm. they, they don't, just for simplicity's sake, it's always just straight men and women. 
usually, almost always. So at the end of a week where there are more men than women, the women will stand uh, in front of the fire pit and they'll have a recoupling ceremony where one at a time the women choose who they want to couple up with. And the man who doesn't get chosen is usually kicked off the island. And they do that over and over again. They keep cycling new people in. And sometimes the public votes on like who their favorite couples are. And at the end of the season, there are roughly four couples left based on some public voting and some some voting among the couple. It's so complicated. It's almost like life, right? A metaphor for life. A lot of random occurrences. Why do these two people come together? Why is this person gets broken up with? Why did they bring these two people back who were kicked off of the show earlier in the season? Yeah. The reason the show is so amazing is because the producers are fucking evil geniuses. (laughs) They are so good at understanding the people on the island and pulling their strings in like the exact perfect way to get the most interesting drama to play out. Let's say two couple, one couple is really strong, but the woman has, all, has always been saying like, man, I just, I just love blonde guys. And she's with a guy who's got brown hair. They'll, they'll wait until like everything's going great and you know, there are no waves. And then they'll drop like this super hot blonde guy who is like exactly her type. And then suddenly her head's turned, which is a phrase that they use on the show all the time. And now there's drama. It's, it, I, I don't even, you have to like, I don't know how to explain why I, I love, love the show so much. I, I love seeing the I've, passion in your eyes. Yeah. Since we worked on Robot Chicken yeah. together as writers, I knew about your passion for the show. And I'm yes. glad that I got to watch it because otherwise I don't think I would have ever seen it because having edited back when I had a career in editing reality shows, a bunch of reality shows, I you know don't have a lot of appreciation for them, mm-hmm. knowing how they work and how they're produced mm-hmm. and how they're made from mm-hmm. the inside. Are you a reality show aficionado slash appreciator to begin with? I'm really glad you asked me. No, I don't watch any other reality shows. I did used to watch Big Brother with my family when I was in like middle school and high school, but I haven't watched that in years. This is the only reality show I watch and I'm like obsessed with it. The, the UK season just, just finished. It is seven episodes a week and they're each an hour long. So it was airing live in the UK. It was not anywhere in America. So, so me and my fiance and our other couple friends, uh, we found this really, really sketchy pirate website and we just streamed it on Chromecast every every night and we would store we would bank up like three episodes a week, like have a bunch of white wine and watch like three episodes of Love Island. And it would take probably five hours because we would keep pausing to talk about it. Uh, oh, can I read this thing? Actually, this post summarizes like kind of everything. This is about Love Island. To its detractors, Love Island symbolizes all that is bad and addictive about reality TV. But the show is so popular in part because it invokes a mythical archetype of the island that is almost as old as human culture itself. A place cut off from the outside world in which society shows up in miniature as if beginning again in ways that put human nature under the microscope for all to see. My cousin said that to me. He doesn't watch the show. He just knows that I like it. He said that to me and I was like, yeah, this perfectly summarizes how I feel about the show. Like... Is your cousin a scholar? No, he's just a guy who likes to push my buttons. dissertation? Yeah. (laughs) The setup of young, hot people being isolated from society and having taken away their cell phones and any form of communication from the outside world in the context of reality TV show, it's not unique to this show, right? I mean, there's a ton of shows. Right. That's, yeah. That's what, you know, the real world was that. Right. Which was one of the first ones that really took off right in the early 90s putting seven 
attractive people in a house where they're gonna yeah. bicker and and, have and sex. hook up. Yeah. yeah, and this and Bachelor and uh, all of that seems like the natural endpoint. Yeah, I can't say why those ones never grabbed me. And the and I think, one I, think does. I can I, answer that question for sure, you. Sure, please. Yeah. I think you are really enamored with the characters themselves, right? Yeah. Because reality shows, right? They are nothing without yeah. characters. Casting is everything in reality tv yeah they're uh, really good at casting they are you know cast in a way that the show is writing itself hopefully editors then take all the footage and and they are also building the character right out of whatever they're getting you know sure you're and maybe you just, not seeing a perfect representation of the person but you're seeing what the right. producers and the editors were well, you hoping for a heightened version of that person mm-hmm. right i am curious to hear why you don't like love island usa because I actually checked that show out as well, and I have my take on that. But I suspect that you really also like the sort of working class, often Essex. A lot of girls are very buxom, you know. Very buxom. Very buxom. Yeah, like working class, attractive girls and guys who are like been cutting steel all day. And then they are... You've been cutting what? Steel. Steel. They're cutting steel all day. It does seem like everyone has a blue collar job but then also they are an instagram influencer at this yeah so the way i got hooked on this show is my friend uh and writing partner actually she was she had heard about the show through a friend and she had checked out like a clip from it she's like you got to see this show love island it is so stupid and funny like everyone it's like all these like really hot british idiots and they (laughs) have the most ridiculous accents and they all call each other geezer accents are freaking amazing it's not necessarily a diversity of people but accents absolutely. yeah some diversity of there race is, and there is well so episode, episode one we're introduced to yeah. first the 10 people who are going to pair up and then an 11th woman comes in so right that's so, that's the formula is mm-hmm. they do their initial coupling where it is an even number and everyone seems like they're they're kind of rock on rocky ground but like you can kind of see it going well for everyone and then they drop in like this bombshell, male or female, depending on the season. Which, for some reason, everybody's immediately obsessed with that girl. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, men and women. Well, both. people go, cra- I mean, like, you do kind of, it seems like you, they really do forget about everything else. Also, it's like, one, it's like summer camp, you know, like you bond so fast. A day is like a week uh, uh, on in the villa. And also, and it feels like a week as a viewer. Uh, <laughs> it should not be an hour long show it should not be on every night oh it needs it it's it needs wild it. it is it's basically like watching the Truman Show I mean like mm-hmm. also the fact that they don't have I think they do have phones to get messages from the producers but they just take pictures and get texts yeah. from the producers they take yeah. pictures for the Instagram but to be posted two months later when the show starts airing but of actually course. I never I didn't finish my story about how I got hooked yeah, on the yeah, show yeah. is uh, so you you start by watching the show like with sort of a you're sort of detached from it mm-hmm. you're sort of cynical about you know like oh this is gonna be funny and, and, and to watch these like super hot idiots and by the end of the pilot there's like a really strong cliffhanger and you kind of want to know what's going to happen next. And then you're watching episode two. Then you're watching episode three. And suddenly <laughs> they feel like your best friends. They've you... done it. The producers have done their job. That's what a reality show yeah. should do to the yeah. viewer. Totally. I watched the first episode. I got to know all of these 11, these 11 characters. And then jumping to episode 38. That must have been a weird like, shocking yeah. system. Interestingly... 
it took me until the end of the episode to realize that a few of the people who were there in the first episode were still there. Yeah. The first episode of season three, they, they set up a few characters. Amber is kind of like the yes. uh, saucy girl who just is looking for a hot body. Uh-huh. Camilla is oh, Camilla, a yeah. bomb diffuser. She like, yeah, they like to put like one character. or two amazingly like giving, mm-hmm. you know, really intelligent people. They really hit a type for their show with Camilla and then they tried to repeat it in the next couple seasons like, she was such an interesting long like slow burn for for the story of that show she's like number two right she finished very high she up. came in second i mm-hmm. think yeah with a guy who came in like two weeks before she kept trying and trying and sort of like at first it was really hard to come out of her shell and then she finally put herself out there and she got i think she got burned and then this fucking underwear model comes in jamie is jamie yeah and he's like, I am obsessed with you, but like not in a creepy way. Like it just, it just, they immediately click. And you can, you know, the producers like had him in the wings because they were like, all right, well, right, right as Camilla starts to get happy with one guy, let's drop Jamie. In, so who he's was actually, she getting happy with? She was getting happy there was with. A, I think his name was Johnny and he was, mm-hmm. he was a sweetheart. He seemed kind of cool, but like. He was only in for about a week when he, when... Uh, he in episode I guess thirty seven he removes himself from the house. Oh, is that like, how he episode thirty eight opens with uh, Ian is the name of the narrator. Oh yeah, yeah. He says Johnny becomes the first man <laughs> to dump himself from the house. He does. He's walking away with his suitcase mm-hmm. in the dark. And uh, so I didn't even realize that Camilla was still on the show because she's barely a presence in episode 38. But Jamie, who at this point she's coupled up with, Mm -hmm. is presented as a therapist almost at this point in the episode. He is like helping people. People people always fill that role. There's always like the advice giver Mm -hmm. who comes in and is like way more mature than everyone else, so becomes the parent of the (laughs) house. It makes sense that he and Camilla are coupled up at this point because they seem like the only two reasonable people in the house. (laughs) I did watch the very beginning of the last episode when I I was going to bed last night, and I was, you know, heartened to see that she she and Jamie were still together, still in the house. Also, I was very surprised that this man named Marcel, Marcel made yeah. it that far. Marcel yeah. is a music producer. Yeah. He is boy so band. desperate in the first episode, telling <laughs> as many women as he can that That's he used right. to be part of a yes. boy band that most of them do not remember. Because <laughs> they're too young. <laughs> right. He's like He's 32. the oldest guy. He's 31 yeah. years old. Everyone is like 20 to 24 <laughs> on that show. And then he's like 32 years old being like, I used to be, I used to be in like the funky bunch, basically. They're <laughs> but, like, what? But, you know, good on him. He made it to the end. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a full of interesting characters. The thing I kind of enjoyed most was that period after starting episode 38 where I was just trying to figure out who the new people were. I almost <laughs> think that is, <laughs> for me, would be the best way to watch that show, which is, like, with five to ten episode gaps in between episodes <laughs> to just, just try and puzzle out your mind. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. who these new people are. Or just watch it out of order so it's like a lost episode. <laughs> yeah. Just remix it. So the reason I picked that episode mm-hmm. is because it has, in the opinion of, of myself and all the people I was watching every week, weekend with, the, the most quintessential best Love Island fight. Okay. of any episode this is which between is olivia and chris and chris and they are both like really like put together like she, she's she got a lot of plastic surgery but they're like both super like 
you can tell that being hot is like really important to both of them. She's been in the house since day one. She's yeah, one of the original Chris people. Chris comes in really early. He's kind okay. of a villain at first, and he's got this moment where oh, he's... that's just a shell. He's soft and <laughs> no, exactly vulnerable inside. He's he such cries. a crier. He's such a crier. But he comes in early in his like second or first episode. He comes in, and there's a moment where he's just sitting on the couch completely alone. There's nobody around him, and he's got his arms behind his back, and he, he just to himself says. Every bird in this house fancies me. <laughs> and, and then he just sits there. But uh, so he comes in with that attitude and then immediately hooks up with Olivia and realizes like, oh, this actually really works. And she has it. She plays it really smartly and doesn't like fawn over him. You know, she kind of makes him work for it. So then they wind up together, but they're always fighting. And so this fight between them in this episode is just about them. Like they're both wrong and they're both going in circles, talking past each other and they're not understanding why they're stuck in this pattern but then like halfway through the fight they're in the room where everyone gets ready which is full of mirrors and they kind of they stop fighting like mid-sentence to both look in the mirror unprompted and like adjust their hair and it is the most perfect encapsulating moment of love island i i am so obsessed with that shot i mean it's interesting to me the casting of these people like psychologically anytime you put a group of people in a room and you isolate him from the rest of the world, people will start filling in social roles to like survive in this new context. Mm. So that's why there's always a therapist, right? Because sometimes there are competing therapists. I'm sure, you (laughs) know, or like who becomes the leader. It's sort of like, you know, the Stanford prison experiment almost. (laughs) Yeah, totally. You you know? Yeah. It's like the softer version of that. It's like, what is going to softer, not much softer. Not with hard bodies like that. (laughs) There's a, well, that's the, I mean, stunning body. I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I, I enjoy the bodies in the show. Both, you're supposed of both to. Genders. You're meant to. You're, mo- you're meant to. Of, of both genders, though, because I, I do enjoy lifting weights and sort of like exercise and that kind of thing. We Guys, haven't said this, but Nick is shirtless showing off his 12-pack in the studio. <laughs> he I asked is you not to mention ripped. that. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. <laughs> He's been pumping iron for years. You uh, can tell. Yeah, some of these men's ab situations yeah. are um, incredible in the way that the traditional meaning of the word incredible. Like, yes. I can't understand no it's so and also the fact that they like are existing in this villa where they can barely exercise there's like a weight corner Mm. but they they, they, that's all they have and they stay in shape just stop eating i think right they're only drinking alcohol (laughs) well actually i think there's a two drink minimum per day that's good yeah bachelor in paradise i think has caught some heat right uh, because there's been a lot of unchecked drinking which has also led to some sexual assaults right yeah that's uh, behind the scenes exactly so um, that's why they're, that's they're not idea. doing that. Yeah. And the, it turns out people left in a cage will still act insane without alcohol. <laughs> right. Speaking of bodies, I want to bring up one aspect of Love Island USA. Women are a lot skinnier on that show, I noticed. There's only mm. been one season out. Oh, USA? Yeah. Yeah. And I noticed that in general, I don't know, you know, I want to hear from Nick on why Love Island USA is not as good as Love Island UK. But to me, I agree. Like, I watched half of the first episode for the only existing show for Love Island USA and everything seemed to be too watered down the women looked more attractive but in a way they weren't interesting like they weren't I don't know like they were one thing they weren't as sexual you know what I mean like because these women are just oozing sexuality man in Love Island UK and I didn't see that at all like everybody was just too clean cut and just boring and watered down and 
I mean, the whole character aspect of it was gone. It was just erased. And I think exactly. that's why the ratings were super low. Even though they got, again, got picked up for season two yeah. because probably actually not as expensive to me because we think it is, you know. I think it might yeah. be growing pains because, you know, cast members from America going on to a new game show called Love Island don't really have the... Like, they, they have nothing to compare it to unless they've seen the British one. There's no, like, ooh, I'm on Love Island. You know, it's just like, I'm on this weird trial balloon show. Um, well, casting so, is casting, though. And I think that's true. it's just the poor casting. Because British producers of reality television are fucking sharks. They <laughs> yeah, are way more hardcore than American producers will ever be. That's There's yeah. just this, I mean, it's a stereotype, but it's true. Like, they, the things they do to make things interesting are just evil nothing's off the table for them no and so like when i see a girl i can't remember but she's like oh my god i'm from essex and he's from essex and i slept with his best mate yeah <laughs> and like they get into that and then you're just like oh man of course like everything was just planned out intricately right. and you know they're just sitting there like Apparently, jerking off like happy most of the cast members on the uk love island they are sought out by the producers like oh really people they yeah they're, they're scouting basically yeah basically have either of you guys watched unreal the lifetime no. series i know of it it's a dramatized dramatized um depiction of behind the scenes of a bachelor style tv show mm. so it's about the producers of the show and the way that they manipulate the contestants it, it was created by a woman who really worked behind the scenes of the bachelor and that was just what I was thinking about the entire time I was watching because the depths that these producers sink to on that oh, show yeah. to, to manipulate the contestants are uh, disturbing. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm sure it's an exaggeration in many ways. Well, I thought you were but... talking about Love Island. Yeah, because <laughs> no, I, I agree. Uh, well, there's this really ingenious device that they use in every season. About midway through, uh, they will separate all of the men from all of the women and take one of the groups to... Uh, another villa like down the street called Casa Amor. So it's six and six at that point, And they send in six brand new women and six brand new men. And they have like four <laughs> days apart with these completely new people. Oh and at the end of the four days, the or the one the cast members who were there at the beginning or before Casa Amor get to choose if they want to recouple with someone. Mm -hmm. So if you were brand new at Casa Amor, you get dropped if you're not picked. And so then they, they re-merge the groups into the, the main villa. And now you have like 14 people because like half of them chose to recouple and half of them didn't. But like you send in these pretty strong couples and then like at day three of being apart, they're like, well, I don't know what my, my boyfriend's thinking. Like, I kind of like this guy and ha I don't want to look like an idiot, you know, if he, you know, found someone he likes. And so they, the they, show they keep talking feeds themselves. on yeah. people's insecurities. Totally. Okay. So this feels like a good time for me to ask you, Nick, what is the goal here? What are they trying to do and how do they win? <laughs> So it does technically have a prize at the end of it. 50,000 pounds. 50,000 um, quid. 50,000 quid. You wind up with four couples in the finale. Uh, the public is basically live voting for their favorite couple. And then the, and that show is popular in Britain. It's Damn. really popular. But it's also like, you know, got backlash as well. Like it's, it's popular among a really big group, but then it's also like super hated among mm. like, you know, people who rightfully probably feel like they're above such things. Um, people not me. watch channel four, which <laughs> is TV too. Okay. So the, the, the winning couple that gets uh, the most votes wins 50,000 pounds, but when they're announced, 
each member of the couple is handed an envelope and one of the envelopes has a zero sum in it and the other envelope has a 50,000 sum in it. And the whoever got the 50,000 get has to choose on live TV if they're going to share it with their couple mate, whatever, uh, or keep it for themselves. And I don't think anyone has ever kept it. For, I actually haven't seen wow. every season, mm. so I can't say for sure, I'm but I've never it. seen I'm them not share it. I'm going to blame it on oxytocin because, you know, you've just been announced number one. And you're like, yeah, 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 sure. And then later that night, you well, feel bad about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's no, it speaks to the non-cynical nature of the game because I think because really what everyone's winning because everyone on that show basically is a winner are a million sponsorship deals mm -hmm. and like agents and like at least a million followers followers on Instagram and some fame and notoriety that you can really spin up into a career if you're if you're smart about it. I was looking at the Wikipedia page for season three. And I was really surprised by how many of the cast members went on to be on other things, mm -hmm. yeah. have music careers. Oh yeah, K Chris and a character Chris named Kim. Kim. Oh my, they're the best a band. They're they're a bromance in season three, and they're the best couple on the show. They're so much fun. Yeah. Kim is one of the original people. Yeah, uh, and he was also one when I got to episode thirty-eight that I was so surprised, like, "Oh, Kim is still yeah. here!" <laughs> yeah, and at this point, he is paired up with Amber, mm -hmm. who was, uh, you know, the they woman won. who was just looking for a good time. Yeah, and then yeah. I saw they ended up actually winning, which yeah. I thought was very funny. <laughs> Some uh, people go on to death. Right, Mike Thalassadis yeah. dies at twenty-six from an apparent suicide. Yeah, and I think we saw him in the episode. He's of one of the two guys who is returned to the house at the end of yeah. episode thirty-eight. Yeah, yeah it's actually I been guess... two cast members who have killed themselves. Oh wow! Oh. I didn't watch the season with the other one, but I've I've just heard about it. Yeah, but it seems like Britain has. An um, uh, kind of reality show economy yeah. that the U.S. does not have because it seems yeah. like they're just trading cast members among all these different TV shows. You know, Don't some they of do them do that on like the Bachelor and Paradise shows and all that. I, I think usually like the the Bachelorette is was one of the contestants like in the previous season of uh -huh. the Bachelor. I think they do that. But just even between shows, you know, like yeah. one of these people then goes on to be on Celebrity Big Brother. Someone goes and is on their version of Dancing with the Stars. Actually, someone from Big Brother America was on Love Island America. I don't know wow. what happened to him because I kind of stopped watching that. Mm. But My theory is that because America has Hollywood and Britain has theater, but also a lot of people who succeed as actors in Britain end up working in Hollywood, etc. Yeah. There's nothing to overshadow the obsession with just TV presenters and things like that in yeah. Britain. And so there's just this culture of obsession with celebrities and, you know, just TV personalities who would be like, sure, in America, but have huge following in England. It's really interesting. So season five was the first one that I actually got to watch every day, like live rather mm. than binging it. It was my first experience watching it live and seeing them emerge from the, the villa live. Mm. Uh, so I went on to follow all of them on Instagram, like right afterwards. And it's basically a continuation of the show. Like you get to, it's like they all get their own spinoffs and they're all on Instagram. And now you're watching them in real time going from like kind of a normal person in like to a pseudo celebrity. It seems like Kem uh, is perhaps the host of a uh a uh, love island podcast and I i'm think? sure you know i listened to that how is it it's pretty it's pretty good he can like genuinely i i wish him 
all of his success. I feel like he totally deserves he everything seems he has. Like a fun he, guy. he is a he seems like a really fun guy and I think he knows I agree. He doesn't take himself too seriously and he's, he's the one that I would have gone with. Because uh, to oh, me he he had most personality. You know totally. I mean don't you immediately like go and like which girl would I be going with yeah. if that were there? Totally. Like yeah. he on his podcast I only found it like in the last week of watching season What's it five, called? Love Island the morning after. Good he thing. tries to do accents of, of characters <laughs> on, on the show and is really hilariously bad at it I his totally... irish accent always comes out like borat for some reason <laughs> you can't get away from it so we were talking about the massive popularity of the show and sasha you brought up kind of the uh scripted side of of british entertainment which is uh notoriously high class high class absolutely you know, there's we... a very stark difference between high culture and low culture in britain both in real life and in culture, posh versus right. the sort of Londoner. What's the chav? Is that one? Is that I know that's a term. Geezer, I hope right? that's not I've never offensive. Heard chav. Oh, maybe I have heard chav. I don't know. That's not a very common one. Yeah, geezer. They didn't say it this season at all. But in like season three, everyone was a, was a geezer. Well, so even in shows that are about like the blue collar experience, pretty much every actor that rises to prominence in the UK went to like Cambridge or Oxford. They're all. Yeah. It's it their entertainment industry is almost exclusively a high class pipeline. Yeah. And so I wonder if part of the appeal is seeing like the other half in a way that you don't get to see on the BBC because, you know, everyone is a Benedict Cumberpatch who grew up in a castle or whatever. But these are people who are actually from Essex and like Newcastle or yeah, totally. Like their accents are not a put on. This is this is who they really are. Yeah, and what's fun is like the accents are are a great layer to it for an American audience, but like they also are kind of like foreign to the other to each (laughs) other's accents. Like there are so many fucking accents in that tiny region Mm. that like they they, you don't realize that they also kind of are experiencing it that way too. Well, I guess it's like when you meet someone who is legitimately from the South and has a, yeah. an American Southern accent. Yeah. It's very striking. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cockney can sound very unrecognizable from English almost. Totally. <laughs> I had to watch with subtitles like for the last mm-hmm. two seasons. I couldn't because I was pirating at this time and you, you eventually oh, do. You pay for it, it in that way. I yeah. know it is a person who always needs subtitles for anything I watch <laughs> in Russian or English because my ear is just not perfect for either of those mm-hmm. languages. Yeah. I was trying to watch without subtitles but at a certain point i just oh did i, I recommend the subtitles in the you, email you suggest yeah. you suggested that it might be helpful <laughs> and it was <laughs> yeah oh super helpful yeah so i want to go into a little bit of a tangent here but yeah. i think it might be worth it i have a very personal connection to the show okay that is a little bit distant but it's an extremely extremely personal carolyn flack oh yeah is the uh, television presenter who actually is my least, well, apart from the voiceover guy, Ian, she's my least favorite part of the show okay. because I just don't God, find I her. I love Ian. It's, yeah, it I just don't find her. It's just, to me, she lacks uh, charisma, personality. So, okay, my personal connection with her and something I found out last night and it sent me on a wormhole of online so research. Excited. And I was like an emotional place last night, right? So this is when it gets really personal. Okay. In August of 2014, Flack was announced as a contestant on the 12th series of Strictly Come Dancing, which is a very popular UK show. Is it like they're Dancing with the Stars kind of thing? It's like Dancing with the Stars. And this would all have discussed here in Britain 
those shows are even more like significant to your average television viewer than here in the U.S. Mm. Her professional partner was Pasha Kovalev. Pasha Kovalev went to my school. <laughs> Pasha Kovalev is now a big celebrity in Britain, but it's like he hasn't pierced the bubble of American household zeitgeist. Is he just a dancer? He's just a dancer. So I grew up in the town of like 400,000 people. And so that's not a small town, but it's an industrial center of coal mining and shit like that mm. in Russia. So it's a very depressing place, a place where you don't have dreams to even leave the town. Most of my friends never been to Moscow, which is four hours by plane to wow. go to. And why would you ever go there? So and that's like, like the nearest city. No, that's not the nearest city. The nearest cities would be like Novosibirsk, which sort of ring the bell to some people. But, okay. you know, it's in like it's in the Asian right side of Russia and it's close to Mongolia. And it's uh, just a very like flat, depressing place, which probably some uh, cities in Midwest and America can be compared to. But being Siberia, it's a lot more depressing than what American city could ever be. I grew up in a very poor family, family with addiction and mental illness. And so when I was 13 years old, this dance group called Fiesta moved in, just swept in to our town. And I don't know why, but this ballroom dancers, right, from other parts of Siberia, but also who like traveled around the world and have started gathering first places around the world. So this like super attractive group, like sort of like Love Island people moved into our school. And like, so this is like a school, like a super working class, like where generations of coal miners pretty much is all you expect so i never like even fell in love with anybody like growing up and all of a sudden this like super attractive boys and girls move into our school and they just blow everybody's mind like they blow like we just couldn't deal with it and i immediately like fell in love with this boy pasha kovalev who is like the most charming you know i would call him a poor man's james franco before. You mean visually? Visually, but I think he's, wise. well, but he's more attractive, actually, than James oh. Franco, which is a lot to say. James Franco is an attractive guy, right? So, but he's also very charming. Like, Pasha is very charming, very interesting, like, boy. And he was, like, a year older than me, so he must have been 14. So they were, like, you know, coloring their hair, like, black, because they had, like, the whole, like, all Fiesta members, the black hair. And they were doing, like, this fucking, like, so you think you can dance type of, like, big dance numbers to present to everybody in town while they were making money on this like dance classes they offered which i didn't take from them but i became obsessed with this boy because to me he represented everything i wanted to be and didn't have and so i feel like i would have still come to america and tried to become who i've become but to me i think he's been a big driving force to not focus on the depressing stuff at home but instead to dream of being with him I was in love with him for five years and like, right, I like I didn't kiss or go out with anybody because I was in love with this boy. I tried to interact with him. I got him a gift once for his birthday, which is so embarrassing because I barely knew him. <laughs> and this was like a big formative experience for me. So like now looking back, I, I mean, I think he's a charming guy. Interesting. He's kind of, I don't even know if he's my type anymore. You know what I mean? Like as a young person, you fall in love with people who are very attractive, but then if you realize you were, if you were both on Love Island, would you choose to couple with him? Yeah, would he is he your, is he still your type on paper? Um I don't think so. Okay. I think he's very attractive, but I 
I don't think he's like would be able to turn the buttons on that I had at 14, right. you know? I you're think, never more, more vulnerable than when you're... Yeah, like, I think like... In, in, but again, like I'm talking like he's very charming, very funny, great English. Like Because I went into this wormhole of after reading this and finding out that he went to America, which I did know. And then he married this British presenter, I think Rachel Riley, her name. I think he's done some Broadway shows, but hmm. mostly he's settled in Britain. I think he wrote a very cheesy book about himself because he has crazy fans even like in school. But I think now he has like crazy, like I imagine this like older women like obsessed with him because he's very good looking, but like cheesy good looking, like Vegas good looking. Was he like the standout of the group in high school too? Like was he the the like main character? Yeah, so to speak, I, of... main character because even if you're a guy just want to like go fucking punch this motherfucker in the face, I think he would like fuck with you in a way that would charm your pants off and you would not punch him in the right. face but it was just fascinating to me to like fucking get into this like nostalgia yeah what, like a, what raw, a crazy coincidence what a crazy coincidence what a raw place because again like to me it was like the years that made me like disconnect completely from siberia and those experiences but i mean there's still a lot of therapy to be you know had about <laughs> those years so for me it's very interesting how this fucking Love Island guys, yes. like so. This is why you hate Caroline. Plot. Yeah, is the, do you think? <laughs> no, is, are you sure part of it isn't that she got to dance with him and no, no, you no, never no, no. got that? Oh, well, that's a good question. But no, because want, I, we're I in have, therapy right now. We're in want. therapy. This podcast is therapy. No, because I watched both episodes and I was like, I don't like her. And then I was like, let me look her up for today's yeah. recording. And I was like, OMG. It's, it is interesting that because I I don't have any real particular fondness for Caroline Flack. She is ostensibly like the star and host you know she's the most consistent thing yeah on the series but they don't really like give her very favorable screen time or edits like she's they've sort of embraced the idea that like she only shows up when she has bad news to give the islanders they play it up like you know they give her like a slow-mo like walk-in like intro song every time and she's way more like made up and put together than all the other because like i think they might even contractually have to like spend the days in uh swimwear and the nights in like and what a swimwear <laughs> under boobs so much under like boob, accessible boob, top boob yeah every boob. <laughs> everything but the nip. nip yeah pretty much you just reminded me of, of american love island which is like you said it's like way more filtered and i think the reason that that show doesn't work as well is because I mean, like, if you notice, like the the cast members are never bleeped on that show because they don't swear, and I I think this is actually my fiance's theory. Like, the people are more reserved because they have kind of a muzzle on from the producers about like filtering themselves. Whereas on the British one, like, I don't even think they bleep it because of whatever channel it's on. They, there's just constant, you know, like mm -hmm. saying fuck and like you know they're wearing thongs where you can see like everything. It just sort of I think facilitates a more honest and, and like right because if you're like just judging yourself right yeah. like in you filtering yourself you're probably filtering yourself in different levels right. not just exactly. on the saying curses yeah, you you're curating yourself <laughs> for an, an audience that you're not really ever forgetting is there whereas i feel like in the british love island they most of them genuinely forget that they're on tv which is like such a cool magic trick that the producers are able to pull off. I don't know how they do it. By they, having 50 episodes, because after yeah, a while... No, really. You seeing get... them every day. Right. And they know people are watching them all day, every you, day. You see, you see the facade melt away, too, after, like, about seven days. Everyone comes in with, like, 
a brand or like a attitude that they've planned to come in with and it always melts away because you just can't keep Stanford that up. Stanford prison experiment. It's exhausting. Again, it yeah. back to that. There was a girl this year who came in and her like in her intro video because you know phrases catch on in the show like things become memes like within the the villa and like something that they said all the time in season three will wind up like written on the wall in season four. And so this girl, Lucy, came in and in her intro video, she's like, I say the word Bev a lot, like B-E-V, uh, like, oh, he's your Bevy or like, like uh, my boyfriend's my Bev or like, oh, you Bev him. <laughs> she was like throwing everything at the wall, like clearly like already had T-shirts printed up <laughs> and like season like episode two. She's like talking to one of the girls. She's like, oh, he's your Bev. And they're like, what? She's like, that's what I say. I say Bev. They're like, oh, okay. Talk and she's like humiliated. Stop. Yeah, she's like, oh, wait a minute. What am I doing? <laughs> and it, it, no one ever says Bev again. It was so funny. It's funny. Um, my boyfriend, who used to direct a bunch of reality shows before he moved on to scripted, he says that um, every reality show character goes through the same like seven stages of stages. grief, but they go through certain stages of fame that's like quickly acquired, right? Like, like while so, they're on the show? Yeah, like on the show. So they would come in and they're like, exactly, they have their brand and then they start exposing who they really are. I can't remember how it goes according to him, but at some point they decide that they are fucking stars and they start treating everybody <laughs> around them, including the crew, like shit hmm. because they are the hottest shit in right. the world. And they're maybe probably producers, not used to being treated this way yeah and then there's like the disenchantment of that all but there's different like stages of that's that that's fascinating that, but i think this sort of recorded fame within certain number of days in front of the entire world it's probably very traceable to yeah. see how that personality exposes slash changes there's this douchebag in season four who uh his name's alex he's like some kind of doctor um which I don't know how Sorry. he's like 27 and he's like a doctor, uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> but he comes in, he's kind of the, he's a little bit the Camilla of the season, you know, like he seems very intellectual and sure. like can't find really any women who are that into him. And you sort of feel for him cause he's, he's putting himself out there and he seems kind of sweet, but then he like gets a foothold with someone and you kind of see what he's like in a relationship and you're like ooh maybe these are a bunch of red flags and this guy is sort of controlling but he's they stick it out and and it's going okay but then they so okay one of the ingenious things that they do is they play these games with the with everyone where there's a couple different versions but one of them is they are given uh, things that are tweeted about them and the the names are left off the tweet so they just random people from the public are tweeting about the show and the names are like blanked out on the tweets and people have to take turns like guessing whose name go in the blank spots and the real purpose of the game is revealing to the islanders like what the public is saying about them and thinking about them so it really fucks with their heads <laughs> and either in that one or in the one where they have to like guess the headlines which is basically like the same thing but it's about the tabloid headlines he finds out that margot robbie is aware of him as a person and kind of like maybe maybe made a joke about how he's kind of cute you know maybe made a joke like when, when he was being un getting un unlucky in love like oh maybe i would date him and he is immediately so disinterested in the woman that he has partnered up with and you can tell and she can tell and she's just such a sweet person and like is trying to not jump to conclusions, but like it becomes very apparent very quickly that he <sighs> has a huge head. He's like, oh, wait, maybe I was the main character of this show the whole time. Maybe I should hold uh, out for something a little. Because, I mean, she's attractive, but she's not like a supermodel. 
and like she's not trying to be and no and no one it's just, it, ugh, it was he's the fucking word i hate that guy so. i mean they are going for looks like they are searching for not, looks in the personality not really i mean like in the same oh, no, way the that, people like there's in each other i think they really well you have to start with initial attraction but like it's every day is a week for them so like if you're stuck being in a couple with this person being around this person constantly the truth comes out really fast yeah. if, if mm-hmm. your personalities don't click do you know have there been any successful relationships that have come out of this show? Really interesting question. We're yeah. talking long term. There that are... are still happening. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Camilla and Jamie are still together. That's what I was hoping you were yeah. going to say. They may be the only one that I can think because there are ones that go for a couple years, maybe. And you can tell the <laughs> ones that are like going to break up on the tarmac when they get home. <laughs> and you're always right. But there are some that like. Um, God, I'm here recommending the show and then spoiling like the entire every season. This is season. the nature of this podcast. But um, Kem and Amber lasted a while, but so they, were they, they did break up. They were romantic. Yeah, they they were actually like, because there's usually like one anchor couple who very early on get together and I, then are really solid the whole time. And there may be some a few like speed bumps along the way, but they basically like ride it out. I was assuming in that season that Montana and the guy that she is with in episode 38 were going to go the she, distance. And then I was surprised Montana that they and were Alex, not in the I final. Yeah, they become boyfriend and girlfriend in episode 38. I'm pretty sure he was super boring. I think, I think he like was basically just a pretty face. Because there's every... I feel like yeah, also every season... There's like a, someone like Montana who's like full of personality and hasn't quite clicked Funny. with anyone. She and Dom almost oh, yeah. immediately become very coupley. She and so she and Dom get together, right? They pair up in the in the premiere, uh-huh. right? And then that new girl, I think Jessica, Jessica. comes in, grabs Dom, and grabs Dom, creates drama. And now Jessica and Dom are having a child together. Wow! Yeah, that's, everybody wanted Jessica cute. so bad in the first episode. Marcel, especially. So Marcel is the first man who's introduced, and he gets first pick of the girls. Yeah. Does and anyone step forward for him? No. Yeah. And so it's the, sad because he's the only black dude. I know. You, there's always that undertone of like. Why aren't you stepping forward? The presenter invites all the women to step forward if they're interested in the guys each time a guy's introduced. And she asks them to step forward. None of the women step forward. And Marcel's like, okay, I'll pick Amber. And he goes and stands with Amber. Who's very beautiful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then like two guys later, Amber ditches him. And... Do you go with Kem? Are they no. together? No, Amber picks Harley, who seems to oh. be just a muscular man he is the with first no one personality out. Yeah. behind. Yeah. He has zero personality. And as Ian makes fun of him, she can ride Harley fast. Oh, <laughs> there's the worst jokes from this mofo. I uh, love Ian. So Ian has to, he has got such a hard job. He has true. to fill so much fucking time. And I genuinely think he is he is funny. Ian and is like a, there are times when he tells corny jokes and you're like, all right, well, there's something needed to go there and you took a swing and I, I respect you for it. But like... It's very kind of you, Nick. Yeah, also <laughs> in the pilot or the premiere of every season he's usually not on top of his game because he finds funny things about people as they go just um, to be clear he is a disembodied voice it's yeah. not like he's he's never a physical presence they on the never show. show him anymore he <gasps> ju- oh they used to apparently they used to i didn't watch oh, season one or two but okay. i guess he used to be in it like once a week or something oh. when they would get rid of people he's just he's providing commentary I'm oh, sure yeah. highly People. regarded stand-up as well. <laughs> Come on, guys. Ian's great. I, I will have no part in a show that is shitting on Ian. Fuck, I can't remember his last name. <laughs> You're very loyal to him. Yeah. Why do you think the show hasn't caught on over here the way that it is? 
I think it needs time. You think? Yeah, you think I, it'll happen? I hope it does because it's. I would have more people to talk to about it. I, <laughs> I think. Um, I was surprised it's on Hulu. Yeah. So I have a few theories about why the American one is not as good. I think the producers are more are too invested in seeming fair, whereas the British producers don't care like they're more open and manipulating the they're game. open to manipulating they're also because like since the public is voting i think the american producers want to make it look like they're giving everyone a fair edit or like at least giving people equal screen time but they're doing it at the expense of building any characters or storylines mm-hmm. so you just don't really you're just kind of like it's like lo- looking at a fishbowl you know whereas in the british one there it feels very curated and even yeah. if you have a sense that like oh maybe this person is being chosen as like the star this week as given is being like chosen as the person that they want you to like you're still enjoying the ride and also it usually balances out because like so for instance in season five this year uh there was this guy curtis who started out as like this super charming funny down-to-earth seeming guy and just by virtue of being so exposed for so long to these cameras like eventually started to seem more like a guy who was thinking about his image Mm -hmm. and maybe not great at living in the moment or actually maybe not even the best person but you you, there were just tiny little hints of it and it was all kind of up for debate i imagine it's super stressful to be on the show like i just know myself yeah if i were the physical type that a producer would want on that show i would just be in my head the entire time like yeah how is the way i'm behaving going to be perceived right which is to say nothing of the fact that you don't really have much control over right. how you the are people, depicted anyway the people who do best i think genuinely forget about trying to shape their narrative at all and just like let their true selves come out mm-hmm. because that's what people like to see anyway so even if you wind up being kind of a villain or like half of the people watching don't like you you're still building a really loyal following of people who actually are responding to what you're doing I think it's time to move on to our ratings. Yeah, I agree. So I don't watch a lot of reality TV. I mean, I don't really watch any now. I used to watch... You know, when I was younger, my, my sister was really into like the MTV reality shows, so I would, I would passively watch some of those with her. And then in my 20s, early 20s, my roommates and I would sometimes watch The Challenge, which was kind of the evolution of... MTV's Real World Road Rules Challenge, which is where they would take people from both reality shows and put them together and they would compete. And eventually, road rules stopped being a thing. So it would just be, you know, attractive people doing competitions, getting drunk and all that. So the challenge is really fun to watch, partly because the personalities are so extreme, but also because the competitions are fun. And it's just a good way to spend 30 minutes. Yeah. So if I'm going to make a scale, I guess I would put the challenge at the top. Okay. Love Island is very long. (laughs) Uh, The first episode of season three was over an hour long. Mm -hmm. The 38th episode, I think, is like 50 minutes long. Yeah. If these were 30-minute episodes, I would have blown through a ton of them. I wonder if any producers are listening right now and and are interested in making a... A, a different I'll cut. pull some strings. Yeah, pull some <laughs> strings, because I, I, I don't disagree with you. I mean... They would be much easier to digest, especially the fact that there are so many episodes. They're putting one on every night. Mm-hmm. An hour just feels so long. I was enjoying elements of the show, but I just kept finding myself looking at 
kind of the time. Yeah. Every time being so surprised that there was still so much left of the episode. I really liked the intro videos for each of them in the first yeah, episode. The package, so we call it in the business, the package. Thank you so much. Glad we have an expert here. The idea of watching it in real time is very appealing. So me and my fiance, like our routine is like, we're watching like at least three hours of TV a night before mm-hmm. we go to sleep. So like throwing on one hour of that was never that difficult. Yeah, yeah. And, and I also like the idea of listening to Kem's podcast next <laughs> yeah. day. That sounds really fun. It's, when, when the daily is too depressing for you, <laughs> right. just throw on the Love Island morning after. So I like the show in theory. But in execution, it, it left me a little uh, cold. I'm going to give it a, a five with a possibility of more. That's tough, but fair. In the future. In the future. Yeah. yeah. I, I could see myself watching more. I don't know how likely it is. Yeah. I agree absolutely with Steven that if it was a half hour format, I would have probably given it a higher rating. I kind of stay away from low culture reality show ingestion but i think it has to do with the, having worked on a lot of them mm-hmm. so it's they like i feel like very addictive i would get very addicted to anything like that if i watched it but i remember like when i was working on dance moms i was really loving the show for like the dance aspect and stuff like that it's different format from the show what made you think of pasha yeah who knows <laughs> dance moms to me would have been probably an eight on this scale. Okay. And I think that Love Island USA actually made me think higher of Love Island UK because mm. I was very disappointed in Love Island US. <laughs> okay. So Love Island US would probably be um, a four. Okay. And I think this show is a six okay. for me. So it's very reasonable. That's, pos- that's a positive rating. I feel like they need to cut it down. You guys though. are just people who I I haven't convinced to try heroin yet, and once <laughs> once I get you to try it, like I'm not deterred by this at all. That's going to be I... the next episode of the podcast that you're on the heroin <laughs> episode. It gets it a bad on, rap. It was on the list I emailed you guys. I don't know why you you turned me down. I heroin? offered to let you try it. <laughs> episode number fifteen. The <laughs> last episode. The last episode. <laughs> what about you, Nick? The most important rating of. Well, the I mean, if I, I was trying to think of what my scale would be while well, you guys were doing it i mean my scale is on a scale of one to love island yeah, that's, so that's my it's rating the highest possible uh, yeah. rating you can it's give. all there is is that a 10 then uh, yeah that's it's a 10 no yeah. i love that sasha do you have any uh pop culture aspects that have inspired you lately that you'd like to share since i brought up pasha kovalev in this podcast I will recommend him to people. Check him out. You know, you know. I'm just going to show this picture to Stephen and Nick of his autobiography called Pasha, the autobiography of TV's hottest dance star. <laughs> Has two, um, two ratings on Amazon US, but 142 on Amazon UK. Oh. And this, what does this dude looks like? Wow. He is a handsome guy. He's got a chin cleft. He does. He does have that. Sort of looks like a younger Daniel Craig. Mm, that's true and i'd say more handsomer handsomer he's got a a jeremy renner look but sharper features yeah you know what check out this book i haven't read it i'm sure (laughs) it's a hood um because if you name your autobiography pasha the autobiography of tv's hottest dance star like it's like sasha the autobiography of apple's hottest podcast host does he have a co-writer on that book kimberly walsh wrote the foreword and Mm. we all know who she is we don't (laughs) but look i think he's very popular his niche but i would like to him to break out and have a career for himself and become a household name. What a treat for you that would be. Oh. What about you, Stephen? Do you have anything? 
Yeah, I. Uh, it's unrelated to what we've been talking about today. I like puzzles. I, you know, I like games. I like video games, board games. Who doesn't? I, uh, right? right? Good yeah. for your brain. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck Alzheimer's. <laughs> One Running and puzzles. Something that I've been really into for the last couple of years is a puzzle format called nonograms and nonograms are like sudoku in the fact that they have like rows and columns but instead of filling numbers in the columns you are just filling boxes in they're either black or they're white and you've got numbers listed on the top and on the sides that tell you how many boxes should be filled in each column and in the end you're creating a picture and it's really fun oh. and really addictive Nintendo has a specific nonogram brand called Picross that is especially popular. Like if you've heard of it, that's probably how you've heard of it. But nonogram is the general name for the puzzle. And uh, they start on like five by five grids and they can go up to 15 by 15. Uh, I have an app that has some that are like 45 by 50. I don't think I've ever completed one of those because they're massive. But it's just a really fun puzzle format that I I enjoy making the pictures. and uh, Nonogram? Nonograms is what they're called. Picross, especially. I play Picross on the Switch. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Anything you'd like to plug? Uh, uh, online presence or any work that's coming sure, out? Sure, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Cronny, C R O N N Y. That's uh, a nice one. Yeah, thanks. I guess I got in early. Season 10 of Robot Chicken Let's premieres all check out season 10. on uh, 28th, I want to say, of September, maybe. Check sure. it out. Every second and fourth Thursday at the Moving Arts Theater on Hyperion Avenue at 9 p.m. Come see Direct to Video uh, as we host our show, the Direct to Video Awards. Thank you, Elizabeth Salute, for artwork. Thank you, Andrew Hayworth, for our theme music. Thank you, Carlton Gillespie, for promo videos. Thank you, Jay Hunter, for production support. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle on Twitter is at shutupiloveit1, the number one. On Instagram, it's just shutupiloveit. Should I have made them the same thing? Probably. I did not. Can't go back in time. Thank you all for listening. <laughs>